The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! our last podcast for the year. I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. What's that I hear in the air? Is that... I have no idea. For, for once, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you hear in the air, James? I, I think I hear the New Year's ball beginning to fall. Oh, those are balls dropping. I hear the balls dropping, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a light chorus of... Uh, I want to say... Yeah, the hands of time are taking away on 2016. Well, I don't think my voice was picking up at all on those last few things. <laughs> For all of those of you who can see through the fourth wall, we just got through singing a very rigorous Christmas carol. <laughs> la 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 la. Yeah, so uh, we're we're back here, me and Paul, in in the same room, which is. A, a little weird. A little yeah, weird I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a little disturbing. Yes. Folks. We're in the meat space, podcasting it up together. Celebrating the year that was 2016. Now, celebrating you mi- is a harsh <laughs> word, Paul. <laughs> you, might, you might be out there saying, hey, 2016 sucked super hard. What is there to celebrate? Well, this is a Jack White history podcast where we celebrate Jack White's music and history and friends and historical context. And you know what? There was a lot of great Jack White stuff that happened in 2016, James. That's right. For instance, this podcast started. (laughs) We are on episode 13 right now, lucky number 13. And we couldn't be happier with it. Thank you for sticking with us if you have. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Why you are, we don't know. But hey, you know. Yeah, but for all acquaintances being forgot... Never brought to mind, I gotta tell you, I never know the lyrics to Old Lang Syne. Paul, you're not alone. Nobody does. Okay. They've never been written down. Everybody just kind (laughs) of mimes their mouth to whatever is playing. Sure. I feel like I'm perpetually in the Poseidon adventure where I'm just sort of shouting it before the ship goes down. (laughs) I started to believe in your promises that we had a chance. (laughs) <laughs> where Cornelius from Planet of the Apes is telling me where to go. That's all. When my ship comes, comes in sunk into the floor of the ocean, I'm 
<laughs> so anyway, this is our New Year's episode where we recap all the wonderful stuff that happened with Jack White in 2016, and there's just so much to get through. But before we do... What's that, Paul? What'll happen? Go on. Tell me. <laughs> we are going to do a stop breaking now. Stop breaking now. The final one of the year. This Stop Breaking Down is, uh, once again, provided by uh, Callie Durga. Callie, thank you so much. You've really been great about catching these things when uh, when we miss them. And this one was kind of a big one, too. So Santa here to say thank you for all of uh, your gifts. Belligerent Santa, you're back. You're back again. Of course I'm uh, back. I'm here year-round, living on your couch. No! Give me your blood! <laughs> it's very good to see you again, Belligerent Santa, but but uh, but speaking of blood, in the Going Solo Part 2 show, we talked about Hank Williams' and the album that Jack White worked on where he finished Hank Williams' songs. I mentioned Hank had died in a car crash. Not entirely true, actually. He died in a car, but it was not a car crash. Again, thanks to Kelly Durger for this. He died of heart failure in the back seat of the car on the way to a gig in West Virginia. So it sounds like he was just living, living a pretty hard life. By the time he was 29, he just, you know, kicked it. Yeah, well, we were wrong. We're sorry. That's a kind of a big one. So, whoops, whoopsie doodle. <laughs> also, in the episode 10, the Going Solo Part 2 show, we talked about the similarity between Jack writing lyrics for the music provided to him by a Danger Mouse for the Rome soundtrack. Uh, Callie points out that, you know, we, we had talked about that his writing process was pretty similar to Alison Mosshart's process when she writes songs in the car, but it sounds like there's a slight difference between Jack's process and Alison's. Jack was singing into a recorder, and according to Alison's technique video, Alison actually writes while she's driving. So that sounds very dangerous, Alison, and you should probably stop doing that, uh, or you'll end up like the factually inaccurate Hank Williams' death scenario. And you might be breaking down. <laughs> Make sure you check your facts and check them twice so that you won't... We're gonna... Stop breaking down. That was a lovely stop breaking down, James. And, uh, you know, we gotta kick this year off right, and what better way to kick it off than with a vault release? Yeah, <laughs> The first Jack White item I found in 2016 was actually on January 9th when Jack announced the first Vault release of 2016. Nice. So for those of you who don't know, the Vault packages are really awesome subscription packages you can get from Third Man Records where they'll send you in, uh, every quarter a new package full of like an interesting kind of uh, album release. They always include a 45, then trinkets, that kinds of stuff, uh, all related to Jack White, Third Man Records, etc. And I should have been a Vault member from the very start. I slept on it. I should not have. But one of my very first Vault packages was Vault Package number 27, which was announced on January 9th in 2016. Mm-hmm. James, how long have you been a Vault member? Uh, not that much longer than you, but I think at least a year longer. So I started in 2014, Vault Package 22, the ah, Live yes. from Bonnaroo set. 
Uh, hashtag gobble root. So for Vault Package 27, Jack gave us a lot of really cool stuff to kick off the year here. He gave us a collection of albums from his Live at the Gold Dollar days, so that's mid to late 90s, and that was with his pre-White Stripes, and in some cases, mid-beginning of White Stripes groups. So we got Jack White and the Bricks, which is Jack and Brendan Benson, uh, live from the Gold Dollar. We got Jack White with The Go, live from the Gold Dollar. They're a Detroit rock band who had uh, numerous members, and Jack White was in for a brief stint, and uh, they, they performed a show at the Gold Dollar. And luckily, they recorded it and were able to record with a, a couple of actual Jack tunes with the go. Yeah, we're really fortunate that Jack had the foresight to be recording this stuff. Uh, I don't know why it was maybe posterity. Maybe it was just in case something like this ever happened. It was actually the the guy who owned the gold dollar recorded every show. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So he That's has them all in, a, in some back catalog that they were able to purchase the rights for. No kidding. I had no idea. The owner of the gold dollar being, uh, of course, Neil Yee, who you can see in the candy colored blues documentary which is actually a really cool unauthorized documentary i know jack doesn't like that stuff but it was interesting to get his perspective and the perspective of some of the other detroit bands of that era uh, on that documentary yes in addition to those two groups we also got two-star tabernacle and two-star tabernacle is cool because that was the group that people when they first saw the white stripes were like oh jack white was that guy from two-star tabernacle and he's up there with his wife for some reason so it's a really cool peer into history, and uh, I'm really glad Jack started the year this way because it's an awesome vault package to start. And you also got this really cool gold coin, and there was a Dead Weather single, right, James? There yeah, was... the only way to get the, the new Dead Weather singles was through the vault packages. and uh, the... So this vault had one of the few chances you can get to get the Dead Weather singles for Dodge and Burn. This one had Let Me Through backed with Be Still on a gold... 45. It also came with a third man challenge coin, which also acted as a 45 adapter for your record player. Or you could bring it into any third man record store and get 10% off your purchase like you can do online as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, it's a really cool vault package. This is a description of it via Rolling Stone. Three of Jack White's early bands will be the focus of the latest installment of Third Man Records, The Vault Series. Uh, the three LP box set package, complete with other goodies, boasts three live performances recorded at Detroit's Gold Dollar featuring three bands that included White as member prior to the White Stripes. Two Star Tabernacle, The Go, and Jack White and the Bricks. So that's really awesome and really cool vault package. It was one of the first I ever got. And they, listen, they're, they're an awesome setup. The box is really cool. The... The actual record sleeves themselves are like soft to the touch. It's a really, really cool set. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorites. Any any of the ones they have in those box sets, always amazing quality. Yeah, and they give you cool like uh, uh, like repro tour posters and, and set lists and that sort of yeah thing. stuff from the era. So it's really cool. If you're not a vault member yet, you totally should be. And James, you know, every year, every New Year's that comes around, you know. I feel like I need to update my my uh, wardrobe. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, James, sometimes I just feel like I'm walking around and I'm wearing nothing but rags. Well, Paul, I think I see what you're getting at. And, you know, your body needs something to keep those bones of yours warm. Oh, it's got me cold down to my bones. It's this week's Rag and Bone. 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 Uh, Rag and Bone is the portion of the show where we talk about these strange and unusual stuff we found in our research of Jack White and his music. Right. We bring it 
we bring this stuff that we found that doesn't really fit anywhere else and we just we're hoping to give it a home <laughs> yes <laughs> and a home it has with us the third men podcast james I don't even know if you could possibly guess what I've picked for 2016's Ultimate Rag and Bone. And I need you to think real hard about this, Jane. All right, all right, all right. Think, damn it, think! Think. Jack White. Harder. Releases. Another vault package. Okay, no, that is not the Rag and Bone for this week. James, I will give you one more guess, and I am feeling very much like a virgin right now. Jack, <laughs> Jack White is Madonna. Jack White is Madonna. Here it is. Did you know, James, on January 16th of 2016, Jack White was heckled by Madonna while she was performing during her Rebel Heart tour in what? Louisville, Kentucky? Why? Why would Madonna... <laughs> All right. She heckled Jack White while she was on stage. While she was on stage and he was in the crowd. Wow. So this is crazy. I never knew this. Um, Madonna and Jack White are enemies, bitter enemies, rivals <laughs> beyond compare. They uh, both really, really want to hold the moniker of what, what is her moniker? Uh, the the, the uh, Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul. Yeah, she's the, the King of Rockabilly. She's the King of yeah. Rock and Roll. Yeah, the Mother of Dragons. Jack White and Madonna are co-owners of Title. Oh, along with the other people that own it, like with Jay Z, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So Neil uh, Young, I think. Yeah. So apparently, and I found this via TMZ, by the way. Oh, Madonna boy. was accused of being wasted drunk during this performance, uh, her Rebel Heart tour in Louisville, Kentucky. Once this show ended, apparently she was doing her stand-up comedy routine all night and getting really weird and sloppy on stage and making jokes about how much she drank. And then when people started pointing it out after the fact, she got super defensive. Oh, man. Uh, and so she took to the internet, she took to Twitter and started railing against it. Like, yeah, I was just having fun out there. And everyone is sexist for thinking I was drunk. Uh, which may or may not be true. I have no idea. I had no idea that even the scuttlebutt that she was drunk until we did this podcast. Maybe she was just celebrating a holiday. Is that her? Yeah. Okay. Um, via TMZ, not one to stay on the defensive for long, Madonna pivoted attention during her Nashville show on Monday to call out Jack White, who was sitting in the audience, for looking too, quote, laid back while she was performing. <laughs> I mean, if anybody is to get yelled at for that, it's Jack White. <laughs> So apparently she said, don't be laid back just because you're famous. I'm famous too, you know. Oh, boy. Thanks, TMZ. <laughs> and then she said, I get excited when I see people I like. After which, Jack White graciously smiled and blew a kiss to the stage. What? A, a fan captured the exchange on video, and it's available online for you to look yes, at right please. now. Was it a hypocritical kiss? Oh, yes. A very hypocritical kiss. So he's, he's dressed very uh, pleasantly. He's in a suit. He looks very sharp. It's very nice. And so this is the consequence of sound. Last night, Madonna's Rebel Heart Tour descended on Nashville, and none other than the city's crown prince, Jack White, was in attendance. The third man rocker has been something of a recluse since wrapping up his own Lazaretto tour last year and did his best to blend in with last night's crowd. Madonna made her way to the end of the stage catwalk and was asking for crowd participation when she suddenly honed in on White, who was standing in the crowd. 
By then, White was being shown on the video screens. He blew Madonna a kiss. Thank you, she said. Some kind of acknowledgement. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) So the media blew this up, I guess, into some weird feud between Madonna and Jack White, which is total BS because, you know, they're buddies. I think Madonna just maybe either was too hyped up by the crowd or maybe had a couple. You know, it's fine. You can have a couple. We had a couple before this podcast. Who's judging? That's this week's So we've got poetry readings going on. At third band this year. You know, I'm looking at things like Tarfia, Faizula, Jamal May, Jennifer Nelson. You know, they, they that is a poetry reading that happened at the Cask Corridor third man location. And uh, th- this kind of thing happens throughout the year. There's a lot of different kinds of readings. There's a lot of different kinds of uh, book promotion and stuff like that. I was going to say, is this in any conjunction with any uh, poetry book stuff that was going on? Or? Uh, yes. I mean, this, this particular thing was in conjunction with two book launches. One is called Life is a Ripoff, part one by John Olson of the band Wolf Eyes and Patrick Pantano of the Dirt Bombs. Uh, had a new book he was plugging here called If You Don't Have a Picture, Then You Didn't Catch a Fish, which is an amazing title. But again, there are too many of these things to be going through every single one in 2016, but that's kind of the things we're seeing here. As an overview in general in 2016, you can kind of sum it up into a couple different key things, like Third Man Records events are a big component of 2016 that happens sort of independently of Jack. And then you have a couple big pillar things like the acoustic recordings release, the Beyonce release, the Tribe Called Quest release that uh, sort of coalesce into the different things like that he is promoting at that time. But while Jack's events are going on, Third Man Records is super busy all year with all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is also the year of Margot Price. Margot made her television debut on January 16th on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Once again, Colbert doing our buddy Jack a solid by bringing Margot on. She played the album's first single, Hurtin' on the Bottle, and it, it's a great performance. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Here to sing Hurtin' on the Bottle, please welcome Margot Price. <laughs> She sounds great. James, would yeah. you agree? I would. <laughs> I would. Uh, she's Margoing strong. In, yeah, this yeah. year of our price, 2016. Yeah, she's wearing a long, long black dress here, looking a little nervous, but definitely excited. And we're going to be talking a lot about Margo as we go through this year, but this is our first foray into her for the year. We'll, we'll get into sort of how they met and stuff a little bit later. But, you know, we have some more book releases that happen here in January. There is a lot of charitable events that happened in 2016, the, the first of which I could find was uh, the Third Man Cast Corridor hosted a water drive for Flint, Michigan. Oh, nice. Uh, on, yeah, on January 25th. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, Flint, Michigan is uh, can't really trust its tap water these days. It's uh, highly flammable in some instances and, and kind of dangerous. And so for every gallon of water that you brought, that got you a raffle ticket to win a limited edition Hateful Eight soundtrack box set. Oh, nice. Yeah. Other charity this month, there's a thing called Good Neighbor Days in Nashville that happen every last Saturday of the month, and Third Man participates in all of those, and 
and sometimes they do events, but what they do always is 10% off in-store sales are donated to local nonprofits in need of support. Oh, wow. Nice. So lots of charity in 2016. You know, you just missed the cusp of Hateful Eight being a huge thing that sort of happened at the tail end of 2015. But you yeah. sort of see a couple ripple effects happen here with uh, the Hateful Eight soundtrack, with which Jack participated in distributing as well as appears on it. It includes White Stripes' song Apple Blossom. Uh, inexplicably, because it, for some reason... Every time I watch it, it just sticks out at me. Maybe just because I'm so used to the White Stripes, but that's a I different think, topic altogether. Yeah, I think that might be it. I mean, if we were to divorce ourselves from the fandom, maybe it would blend a little more into the film, but we know it for so many different non-Hateful Eight-related things that I have a feeling that might contribute to that yeah, feeling. it's possible. I don't want to work that hard. No one said the job's supposed to be easy. No one said it's supposed to be that hard, neither. Yeah, that little lady... Why they call him the hang? Moving on. Moving on. Uh, (laughs) On January 28th, Jack attends the American Epic premiere at the 2016 Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. Was he invited or did he just show up? So I didn't know what this thing is. I'm just going to read some segments here from Rolling Stone because this will sort of describe what it is. Okay. Along with Sundance founder Robert Redford, White and producer-musician T-Bone Burnett are executive producers of American Epic, which recounts how early recording devices captured a variety of regional sounds for the first time. From Delta Blues, bingo, Jack, to Hawaiian, Cajun, folk, etc. And established the foundation of what became modern popular music. This my Jackson. When you get back to Howlin' Wolf, Charlie Patton, Robert Johnson, it basically begins there. And that's the best it ever was. And the best it's ever going to be, White declared Thursday night on stage. He did just put out the Paramount sets, which include Charlie Patton and Robert Johnson. Yes, we, which we will also talk about a little bit later in this show. So he, uh, he spoke on stage uh, at this thing. And it followed a preview of the six-hour American Epic documentary series from PBS. Uh, I've never seen this. This was the first I heard about this. It flew completely under the radar, at least for me, but I found very, very interesting. This is another cool part of it. So Burnett and White gathered contemporary musicians from Alabama Shakes to Elton John to record with some ancient equipment, including the very first amplifier, first condenser microphone, and acetate cutting machine. I saw records made, music literally written in wax. The music of the world's greatest artists of past and present. They were making what we call portable recordings throughout all the southern states. White and his band were shown gathered around a single microphone singing the obscure country folk tune Matrimonial Intentions with fiddle, mandolin, upright bass, and White's well-worn acoustic guitar. That's the one he took on the acoustic recordings tour. He's joined by Nas for On the Road Again, which sounds like some tough contemporary hip-hop, except that it's a faithful reading of the original 1928 lyrics by the Memphis Jug Band. It was cut. Yeah, it was cut straight to the mic and the lathe. No overdubs. In the documentary, White describes the atmosphere. You come prepared for this moment. It was like going to church. 
<laughs> so I looked and looked for this matrimonial intentions thing. I could not find it. Uh, if anyone wants to put that on our Facebook wall, please, I would love to see this. But that's really interesting. Apparently, this is a six-hour documentary Jack White had something to do with. And Nas was there. And Nas, and Nas Nasty Nas shows up <laughs> for huh. some crazy reason. 2016, we just Singing did that on big... the road again, Paul. Yeah, for the Memphis Jug Band. I'm sorry. This is blowing my mind. This is coming in waves. I'm sorry. Continue. Anyway. Jays, we just did that going solo show where we covered a lot of this kind of crazy crap. And that's why I keep saying, like, 2016 is that again. There's just all these random projects. And you're like, what? I've never even heard of that. Many people do not realize that musical instruments are really mechanical. But now electricity is beginning to show amazing musical possibilities january 30th to close out that month a group called negative approach performs at uh, the cast corridor location so we're seeing and correct me if i'm wrong this is the first full year the third man cast corridor record store front and studios and stages etc were open to the public yeah it opened in 2015 but this is the the, the first, first full year yeah full year yes so this is another big aspect of 2016 where you see it's now not just nashville now it's two different locations that all have all these awesome things going on a lot of live performance and what Cass Corridor does, much like what Nashville does, is Cass Corridor gets a lot of local bands to come in. And in this case, it's a, a local punk group who perform frequently around the corner at a place called Freezer Theater. They're pulling from the local scene the same way the Nashville location is pulling from that local scene. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely pulling from Jack's childhood compatriots, colleagues in the yeah, con- contemporary world. Yeah, right. that's the word. So there's this thing that Third Man does in Nashville. It's called the Light and Sound Machine. It's a series. When we go there, James, we are getting tickets to one of these things. I, I want to see everything because it sounds like events happen every week. Anyway, this thing, Light and Sound Machine, it plays cool movies or obscure documentaries. It's kind of a, just a, a general screening thing. So this one features a documentary called Comeback Africa by uh, filmmaker Lionel Rogason about South Africa. I'm not going to go through all these light and sound machines things throughout the year. There's too many, but this is an example of the kinds of things they're doing there. One of the four famous Lionels. <laughs> yeah. You got, your, the, you got your Lionel Richie. Oh, yeah. You, you got your Lionel Hutz. You got your Lionel Trains. Yeah. And your Lionel... Yeah, the Thundercat. The, the, yeah. <laughs> Can't fight them much longer. You got your Lion uh, O, <laughs> the next letter down, the Lion O. Yeah. Uh, two famous Lion O's. You've got Lion O. You've got Blind Lion O Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the Delta Blues contingent. Right. They're coming after me. So February 5th, we get uh, Impossible Winter. That great music video is released. So good. From the Dead Weathers Dodge and Burn album. It was a surprise. I think, James, you might agree. It came out about five months after Dodge and Burn. And so it was like one of those weird leftover, like, oh, we're still getting Dodge and Burn stuff? Yeah. Kind of things, you know? I was so happy to see it, though, because A, Impossible Winter really deserves a music video. True. Uh, And B, it was filled with monsters and cool, multi-handed people, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's the the band is held captive as freak show style prisoners on a train, and they each have something freakish about them. Jack has multiple arms that can reach great distances. LJ has an extra finger, so he kind of got a boring one there. Um, 
etc. There's uh, mouth monsters. There, it's real good. It reminds me like a supernatural version of the train sequence on a hard day's night. Yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hay. A lot yes. Of, Random chickens. Yeah. About. Bowler hats. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. But, uh, it's it's a great video. So that, that came out this year too, which I really love. I was really happy to get that content. You know, I, I think I'll remember this year for like really the year without a new album, even though we kind of got one, sort of. But we're still getting cool releases like this. There was a lot of cool Jack White content that came out this year. Yeah. In February, Third Man released a uh, single by the group Sunseeker called Georgia Dust. They become a regular face in the Third Man rotation this year. They kicked off a tour shortly after that. And then they also released Why the Mountains Are Black, which is a two-disc collection of primal and unhinged Greek village music. Often sounds more like free jazz or doom folk with its feral and trance-like grooves. This is via the Third Man website. Doom folk? (laughs) It's the result of years of research, fieldwork, and collecting by Christopher King... Grammy-winning producer, sound engineer, curator, and writer. I don't know. Look, honestly, guys, I skipped over a lot of that stuff as we got later in the year. At the beginning, I was like, oh, I'll just write down everything that happened. Then I was like, oh, no, way too much happened. (laughs) So that is an example of the kinds of things they're putting out. Doom folk. (laughs) Looks like I got a new genre to explore. Yes, yes. In Detroit, there was a tour by Third Man Recording Artists that kicked off this year called the Audio Social Descent 2016 Package Tour. Yeah, I remember that. Is video a part of that? I didn't find that, possibly. Um, The the bands I saw involved were Timmy's Organism. Yeah, Wolf uh, Eyes and Yak. Wolf Eyes, which we talked about, and Regression 696. It is a 27-city tour of assorted Third Man acts, which is pretty Hmm. cool. Uh, this is via the Third Man website. It, they call it Greasy Riffs, Dadaist Rock Wreckage, and Furious Punker Spit mm. is the is the example of what they call that there. I have nothing more to say about that tour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on February 15th, Jack won a Grammy. For the Rise and Fall Paramount Records, Volume 2. Sweet. Uh, yeah, Third Man Records won this Grammy Award two years in a row, and Jack shared the win with uh, Susan Archie and Dean Blackwood. He won oh. for Volume 1 the year prior. The Grammy is for Best Boxed or Special Limited Edition Package. And and it's a really cool package. They have a, There's a video on the Third Man site you can check out, and it's got a lot of really cool stuff in there. The, the metal one, or was this the wooden one? The metal one, yep. Okay. Yeah, so it's a really cool package. I mean, honestly, there's like a little suitcase and like a little trap compartment and lots of cool stuff in there. So, I mean, it's yeah. a little too rich for my blood, but... I'm considering it heavily because it's a, the cheapest it's ever going to go on Third Man's website. And eBay will be kind, I'm sure, but I can't. <laughs> I think it's a really cool set. If you got it, I would love to see you unbox it. Yes. So, Courtney Barnett, uh, worth noting, who released a Blue Series single with Third Man the prior October, was also up for a Grammy for Best New Artist, which is a huge 
huge thing, uh, but actually did lose to Jack's Nashville neighbor, Megan Trainer. <sighs> that's that's a sound that is most appropriate to make in that instance. Just, oh. but then but then there's that then there's that acknowledgement on the back end. They're like, yeah, I know why that happened. I just yeah. hate it. I hate that that happened. Megan Trainer's fine, but Courtney Barnett is Courtney Barnett. She's so good. I'm not trying to throw shade. I hope Courtney puts out a new record this year because I don't want to see that flower wilt. You know, I've seen Mm -hmm. more times than I'd care to see artists I get really excited about that appear to be these young virtuosos that just completely fizzle. And we haven't seen a new record from Courtney in a little while. You know, maybe I'm just being greedy here. I don't be rude. Don't be greedy. But, uh, anyway, Courtney, put out an album. We we love you. What the what the hell? Come on. And then to finish out the month of February, Ennio Morricone also won an Oscar for Best Original Score for Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Probably my favorite part of that whole movie. I do love the movie, but that music, man. Yeah, and Jack being connected to an Oscar win is kind of neat. I'm not sure what the last time that happened was. Maybe Cold Mountain, but um, and his second time being connected to Morricone, right? With the Rome soundtrack was the other time. So this is actually Ennio's uh, first Oscar for a specific film in his entire 60 year career. He had won an honorary Oscar in 2007 because <laughs> I guess they were like, he keeps not winning, but we should probably give this guy something. <laughs> so let's kick it to our third woman this week. Let's kick it. Welcome to our third woman for this week, uh, Susanna Roundtree. Susanna, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you for having me, guys. Nice. So Susanna is joining us. I like the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to March 1st of 2016. And James, something very felty happened on March 1st. James, you want to to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Paul, I, I really felt it. That was a great number. I don't care what you say. I thought it was dumb. Maybe you're right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Sorry, that pun was getting a little hairy. <laughs> Ugh, my, sorry, God. my memory's a little fuzzy. Uh, <laughs> James, you're really flailing over there. Come on. Why am I here? <laughs> uh, so that brings us to Jack White stopped by the set of The Muppets on March 1st, 2016 for season one, episode 16 of The Muppets, Because Love. Susanna joins us today as our resident expert for all things Muppets, Henson, etc. Susanna is an artist and an animator and a... Uh, a fan of all things Muppet. Yes, yeah. Um, so Susanna's going to tell us a little bit of Muppet context as we sort of go through here and talk a little bit about it. But first, let's talk a little bit about what this show was. So this was the new primetime Muppets television show, which sort of launched in the fall of 2015. Susanna, you want to talk to us a little bit about that? It was a primetime Muppets show that launched in the fall of 2015. <laughs> it was... Um... Okay. Well, that's been fun. Good night, everybody. It was, uh, they they wanted to get a new Muppet show going to support the movies, although uh, I guess it probably would have made more sense for them to have something out supporting the first movie, but, you know, um, things take a while in Hollywood, a lot longer than you'd think. Yeah. Not everything can be built as fast as Trump real estate. <laughs> so, um, it was uh, sort of meant to be a little bit of a spin on the classic Muppet show, where Kermit was the showrunner, basically, 
for a talk show that Miss Piggy was supposed to be the chair of, which was kind of like a spin on the way that the classic Muppet show was he was the theater manager of sort of a vaudevillian theater production house. Yeah, like a variety show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because if you're familiar with the classic Muppet concept, it's a very logical sequel to that idea. But if you're just watching TV you see sort of like self-referential office documentary style TV show when all of the other hit shows who do that have been off the air for a little while already. Like Parks and Rec is already off the air and The Office is already off the air and a couple of the other shows that were doing that. So, you know, it maybe sort of missed its mark a little bit in terms of timing. It was very funny. Yeah, we know. liked it a lot. Yeah, I we, mean... w- we watched it a lot. It was a good show. It was funny. Yeah. It was a good show. I, w- <laughs> I was, uh, dare I say, gonzo over it. You daren't. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, it, like, it was also, you know, it, as well as being sort of vintage Muppet, it really sort of incorporated a lot of modern culture references. Like, there's this really cool sketch, and I don't remember much about the sketch other than, like, the punchline was Pepe the Prawn being like, hey, gender is fluid, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I just... It's just cool. The Muppets in the in the post-Henson world, which is a lot of Muppet history right now, unfortunately, as we get further and further from when Jim Henson passed away, there's these little outlets of them really trying to take the Muppets and take the puppetry back to sort of the much more adult entertainment that it originally was that just happened to also be accessible to kids. And I think the show was trying to do that a little bit with little comments like that. But something I think that they do that's like a much more successful version of that is their traveling show, which is called Puppet Up, which is basically an adult sketch comedy live show performed by puppets and it's it's amazing i saw a couple of sketches of it on demand a couple years ago and it was just it's it's one of the funniest things if it travels to your area definitely get tickets it's worthwhile seeing it oh yeah it's it's amazing it's very funny it's really 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 dirty and not like in the avenue q dirty kind of way it's just that sounds a lot like avenue q in in that regard no It's different because it's the Muppet sense of humor. It's just now they're allowed to talk about sex. Hmm. Right. And that that's kind of what this show was a, a dipping its toe in the water of, you know, to, to circle back here. You've got these the rebooted two films, the first one, the Seagull one, and the second one with the evil Kermit and the, the Tina Fey one for all intents and purposes. And then you have this kind of following up. And so what they're doing is they're hitting those nostalgia beats a lot with the films, you know, those, those those two films are supposed to be reminiscent of the kind of original Muppet films. And then this is really kind of hitting some of those nostalgia beats from the original Muppet show. But the original Muppet show, a big component of that was guest stars and especially adult guest stars. So, you know, you had a lot of crossover watching with kids who are watching for like the fun, doofy puppets. But then you have adults watching because they know, oh, that's Mark Hamill. Oh, that's, you know, so-and-so. Vincent Price. Vincent Price, exactly. Beverly Sills. That's uh, what you guys were saying before is actually the perfect segue into what this cameo uh, segues into, which is Kermit in the show. If you're trying to watch it, uh, here are spoilers. So in a few minutes, you can turn it back on. But Kermit breaks up with Miss Piggy in the show and starts dating another female pig puppet 
And during not too dissimilar, if you ever saw Muppets Tonight, not too dissimilar from Spamala. Yeah, you know, it's a segue into the whole sex talk thing. Uh, They do delve into relationships in more adult ways, including that stuff. And Kermit then breaks up with the other girl. He's like trying to decide whether or not he wants to get back together with Miss Piggy. And same with Miss Piggy. She's trying to decide whether or not she wants to accept Kermit back into her life. And basically, this episode centers around that conflict. Yeah, which the whole season had been building to. And what I guess, you know, they're obviously expecting more seasons of the show after this, but that didn't happen. So I guess it was what the entire show was building to. Right. Yeah, the, um, the episode, you could tell they were hoping for another season because the episode ended on a bit of an unresolved cliffhanger. Yeah. It was a little disappointing that they didn't renew it for a second season, but... Mm-hmm. I definitely I definitely enjoyed the episode. It's one of the, I think, four episodes that I actually watched of the show. And I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Like you had said, the office humor, it grew on me. I was like, okay, it fits the personality of the show. Yeah, and so Jack White shows up in three different sort of parts of this thing. He shows up when he meets Kermit through happenstance on the road, and then he has this other scene where he talks to Kermit on a park bench and sort of gives him relationship advice, and then he shows up right at the end there as well. Yeah, it's funny because he pulls up to Kermit in in traffic, which is weird to see Jack White driving a car, first of all, because that's true. You don't actually see him driving the car. You see the camera... shows Kermit pulling up to him stopped at a light. Yeah. That's, that's actually very true. Jack is, that's where he lives now. <laughs> just, just, he's just stopped at a light? Yes. There's a very funny exchange where Jack White looks into the car and Kermit looks to his left and basically they make eye contact. Jack White just looks at Kermit and goes, hey Kermit! And Kermit says, Jack White? And then Jack White looks at Kermit and goes, you can drive? <laughs> Yeah, which is and it's, it's pretty very... clear from that scene that that was an ad libbed line. It definitely like because nothing else in the other dialogue follows up with that. So possibly yeah. the funniest thing in the whole episode was a Jack White ad lib. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty funny actually in the whole episode. That he's got acting chops, as we'll get into when we do that uh, film episode we've been talking about. But you know, he's natural in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Is there um, anything this pretty boy can't do? He sings. He acts. <laughs> He, uh, he's he is a, a businessman. You want to be a star, don't you? Yeah. Triple threat. Yeah, he's in charge of a harem. He's got all kinds of things going for him. He's got swank. The next scene, pretty much right after that, is Jack White and Kermit on a bench outside in a park talking about Kermit's problems, as I called them, Kermit's pig problems. He's trying to rekindle his <laughs> love with Miss Piggy. And they duet to fell in love with a girl. Very entertaining when they sing that together, it's it's good to hear Jack singing that song again and singing it in the sort of normal single version way. Because we've heard him play that song live since that time, but he usually does something interesting to it, which honestly I prefer. But it was actually nice seeing him play it in the way that popularized it. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the episode, we see that the Muppets themselves are trying to orchestrate a big love gathering to get Kermit and Miss Piggy back together because they were both having second thoughts again. And so the, everybody puts on these, these shirts that say love on them and the entire cast of the Muppets come out along with Jack White for the variety show. And they all gather together and sing a giant version of You Are the Sunshine of My Life, basically yes. to end the season and the series. But to send things out on a high note, here's a man who's as salty as he is sweet, Jack White! Thanks, Piggy. 
Uh, you know, I was going to play something new tonight, but uh, an old friend asked me if I would play something with a little more history. It's interesting to hear him cover a Stevie Wonder song, of all things, because you don't usually think of those two as uh, sort of on the same wavelength. But uh, but it makes total sense when you think about the classic Muppets. And if, if Jack White came on the Muppets, which he did, obviously, <laughs> he grew up with the Muppets just like we did, you know? I bet he grew up watching the Muppet Show, and I bet he, knowing the way he is about history of music and history of things, I feel like he would have probably wanted to do something that was accurate to the feel of the original show, and that's a a song from basically almost the same era as the original Muppet Show. And it's a song that really kind of captures a lot of the original, like, feel of the original Muppet Show thing, because Jim Henson was the actual best kind of hippie, where he was actively doing things to make the world a better place through entertainment and through, you know, spreading the ideas of peace on earth kind of a thing. I, I just feel like Sunshine of My Life is a very, like, hippie-ish song that way. Yeah, uh, yeah totally. In the episode, uh, which did throw me a little off guard, they do say that it is Kermit and Piggy's song. Now, Susanna, is there any truth to this, or is it, is it just something they said? <laughs> I think that's just something they said. Obviously, the original show being a variety show, there are many songs that have been performed by them. <clears throat> I think that was just something to fill the needs of the script. Yeah, but I couldn't really find a whole lot of background as to how this show came about in terms of why Jack White was on this thing, who asked who, why that song. Like, I couldn't find a lot of that material, um, but hopefully... We'll We'll learn that someday. What I did find via Rolling Stone was them talking a little bit about the appearance. Back by Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, White opens Wonder's talking book hit with a sinister twist. Talking book is the album that Sunshine of My Life was on. Making it slightly reminiscent of his own Freedom at 21, which is true. He has his little flares in there. But sidles back into its sultry, soft rock grooves. As Kermit tells White in a clip from earlier in the episode, You Are the Sunshine of My Life is his and Miss Piggy's song. The White's performance of the track on Miss Piggy's talk show inadvertently sends the host running from the studio. Yeah, I mean, it was it's a cool choice. It's a great track. And James, that came out as a 45 this year as well. It sure did. It came out with the A-side, just the regular You Are the Sunshine of My Life, with none of the Muppets are actually singing on it. It's just Jack White doing the song. Yeah. And the, the B-side is You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Same song with the Muppets in the background actually singing along with the chorus of it. Right. Um, At that point, you might as well just play the B-side. I mean, you've already got... (laughs) You bought this thing. It's got Muppets on it. Uh, You may as well just... I mean, you may as well just listen to the Muppet version, you know? It was a Record Store Day release for this album, and it came in a... It's not easy being green vinyl. Yeah, the green clear vinyl. It's cool. Right. And it's a really neat colored vinyl. I really liked it a lot. It it was also open for pre-order from thirdmanrecords.com directly after the show aired. So if you went on the website directly after the show, you were able to to pre-order it. And if you pre-ordered it, they surprised you with the Record Store Day version because they also released a black version that Third Man Records store sold normally. So if you just bought it after the pre-order was over, you just got the black version. If you pre-ordered it, you got the green version. Yeah, I was I was happy I didn't sleep on that pre-order and I got the green version. James, you've been a collector of the records a little longer than I have. I've, I was just sort of a listener for a long time. 
I'm always the one that sleeps on that stuff and misses it, you know? So I was happy for once I got the green one, you know? I just took that as a little victory for the old P-Man. <laughs> the old the old P-Man, as we um. call him. <laughs> um, um, it's a really nice-looking sleeve, too. The cover art has a set shot with Jack White in front of all the Muppets with their love shirts on in front of the set. It's got a, a nice 70s kind of vibe to the whole art style it also says it has additional music from the song moonlight masquerade by jack white interpolated yeah i think i think what that's referring to is the bridge i mean if i had to guess i would say you know the song sounds like two different songs a little bit it's got that soulful thing and then it's got the freedom at 21 ish kind of thing if i had to guess and i don't know this i would say that the more jack white sounding ish aspect of the song is probably a scrap from a different tune maybe this moonlight masquerade thing yeah it says it's by like it's licensed under third string tunes i, I don't know yeah that that's is. his that's his publishing is it really oh, well he had well he has peppermint stripe music but i think he also has third string tunes hmm other credits is uh, it's produced by jack white engineered and mixed by joshua v smith who we talked about several times it was assisted by logan matheny or matheny who we've also uh, mentioned before it also has other muppets music producers and like ed mitchell and uh, rick ruggieri the artwork was by nathaniel strapopoulos yeah so um so that's the 45 release and that's basically that whole cameo <laughs> it's a nice way for the show to go out. I'm really happy we got that from this year because, you know, it was it was nice to see him participating in a show like that. And he looked very happy. He looked relaxed, you know. He did look happy. I actually have a question. Do you guys know how long that haircut lasted? Oh, it, it's still going on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this sort of 90s boy band bowl cut parted down the middle thing he had going on in the Muppets show. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what he still does now? Well, he's he's growing it out again from his... Elvis thing. Yeah, his little Elvis cut that was like kind of shaved at the sides. So it's it's a weird interview. Oh, that makes cut. that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, he's it's slowly returning to its like blunderbuss length and uh, hopefully it won't get as long as its pre-Elvis Lazaretto length. And this has been once again James and I talking about Jack White's hair. I started it. You can blame it on me. <laughs> Fair enough. It's fine. I'm all uh, for it. I, I enjoy these hair talks. <laughs> yeah. We have, I, James, I really I enjoy these tender hair talks with you. I don't want to split hairs, but it's it's not the well, right podcast for this. Let's keep the hair short, James. Thank you to our third woman this week. You know, I think it really gelled with you guys. Ah! Ah! Waka waka! Okay. Paul's going to have fun combing through this to edit it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he dreads it. Ah! 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 Hampton comes alive over here. Wait, right. wait, isn't there a character off, called, like, Dreadnought or something? Oh, um, the homie, homie, homie made a foamy, foamy, foamy. Maybe. Oh, what's it called? What's it called? Oh, man. Miss Piggy's like assistant. Him. He's called like he. Ho- he hosted Muppets Tonight. The one I'm thinking of. Uh, thank you to our third woman for this week, Susanna Roundtree. Susanna, is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Sure. Uh, I have a Tumblr. I'm a, an animation student at CalArts right now, and uh, I post my artwork there. If anyone wants to go see it, that would be cool. My Tumblr is Suzanimated, S-U-Z-A-N-I-M-A-T-E-D, at Tumblr.com. I'm just fine. If anyone uh, wants to talk about Muppets, I'm I'm always interested in talking about Muppets. You have a Muppet friend in Susanna, everybody out there. And tune in next week for our hair cast. I just wanted to put in a little hair plug there. Um. <laughs> Time for us to recede gracefully. <laughs>
I hate everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's a wrap. It's a bald-faced lie. And thank you to Susanna Roundtree for joining us to talk about the Muppets there in March. She was great. Also in March here, we've got Jack appeared on a PBS Loretta Lynn documentary called Loretta Lynn, Still a Mountain Girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see a bootleg copy of it at the record exchange from time to time. Loretta was promoting her new record, Full Circle. Via Billboard, Jack had this to say of Loretta in the doc. She's got her own style of writing because she writes backwards. She sort of writes with a double course. There isn't just one chorus, per se. When you listen to her songs, there are two choruses. She starts with the second one and then comes back. The first part of the chorus and then goes back. Starts writing the verses and the story to get to it. I'm just picturing <laughs> the guy from Twin Peaks, the, the dream <laughs> sequence guy. That gum you like is coming back in new style. <laughs> Good. Thanks, I know, Loretta. I know. Yeah, thanks, Loretta. I can really find that online, but I'd like to check it out. Every day, once a day, give yourself a present. Blitz and Trapper performed at Third Man on March 16th. This live album would be released on vinyl later that year, and it's what I got Mike for Christmas. So, spoiler alert, Mike, but this is coming out after Christmas, and you don't listen to these shows, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Via the Third Man website, under the stewardship of Sub Pop and Vagrant Records, Oregon's Blitz and Trapper is eight studio albums deep into a successful career as a modern folk rock band led by Eric Early. Early? Dubbed by Paste as the Tom Petty of the Northwest, which is hyper-specific. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Yeah. The Tommy Santelli of the <laughs> Texas region. <laughs> oh, God. I like Blitz and Trapper. They had, I want to say, fur for gold or gold for bread or... Bread I for pants. <laughs> I used to listen to them in 2008. I have not checked in since then. I assume they're still doing well. I know the name uh, mostly because it's a curiosity to me as to why they would trap Blitzen. It well, should have been used in the Christmas episode. Yeah, we'll have to ask belligerent Santa about that. No! <laughs> I trapped him to kill him and eat him. Santa's got to keep warm. <laughs> What 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 murdering his pet has to do with keeping warm? Unless he just unless I Santa gave his magic hooves, <laughs> and I, I crawled into him for warmth in the Arctic like a tauntaun. And I survival, but for fun. No. <laughs> and I thought these reindeer smelled bad on the outside. Ho ho ho. I don't believe you, Santa. Uh, March 11th through the 20th is South by Southwest. Jack always participates in South by Southwest. He has for some time. We talked about it a little bit in this going solo show. This year, Third Man featured live performances at a place called Beerland. Uh, I assume off the premises. Groups called Gorilla Toss, Proto Martyr, Timmy's Organism, which we which we talked about, Spray Paint. Wolf Eyes, which we also talked about, and a group called The Spits. And so I think that is actually the audio social descent tour directing itself toward South by Southwest. I think this is a part of that tour. Another third man act, Margot Price, uh, performed, yes, at a place called Stubbs Barbecue. Yes. I'm going to read this selection here from NPR. Her long underdog story, which includes a hocked wedding ring and a new home on Jack White's third man label, has finally led her to stages the size of this one at Stubbs in Austin, Texas. They're performing at NPR Music South by Southwest Showcase. 
Space on March 16th. Price and her crack band tore through an eight-song set that culminated in her breakthrough single, Hurtin' on the Bottle, a rousing but disarmingly poignant anthem about, well... Drink in trouble. And then the Rolling Record Store also made its annual appearance at that location. Then on March 25th, the Margot Price stuff really heats up from this point on. As I said at the at the top of the show, 2016 really is, for third man, the year of Margot Price. It's, it's one of the biggest fines they've ever had, I think, as a company. And... I think worked out in a more mainstream way in the kind of sense that I think Jack always hoped maybe the Black Bells or Olivia Jean would, which, you know, speaking completely objectively, I love Olivia, but she hasn't had breakthrough success like Margot has. She just hasn't. I see what you're saying, but I always look at Margot much like I look at Pokey. You know, she would have had a career in other places, but she found a home at Third Man. Kind of like Pokey had other labels in C6 Steve to, to a degree, you know. So I thought that, too, before I really started getting into her story here, Jack was the breakthrough for her. Okay. Uh, but we'll get there. So Margot performs Hands of Time on Conan on March 24th, a great, great song from her album, Midwest Farmer's Daughter. Uh, via Stereo Gum, last night she performed on Conan as a well-earned victory lap. This is talking about the fact that her album was getting such stellar reviews from people who had advanced copies up to this point. She did her heartbreaking new single, Hands of Time, and exuded a quiet confidence from the stage that makes you think she'll be around for a long time to come. That's a strong track, James. Yeah, no, I, I and I hope they're right. I hope she's around for years and years to come. She really delivers on this performance, too. It's a really strong song to begin with, but the whole band is really firing on all cylinders here. She has this great bassist. He's a groover, you know? <laughs> a yeah. groover bassist. And he does that thing that groover bassists do where they sort of hang their hand limply above the and rest it on the top and just sort of pick away you know do the do the groove you know you can't this is an you can't see my movements here but just envision if you will a groover bassist i assure you paul's motions look nothing like a bassist don't, don't take his word for it he's <laughs> yeah much like 2016 james you've given me no support <laughs> only disappointment that brings us to March 25th. Margot Price's Midwest Farmer's Daughter LP is released. This album, Soup to Nuts, is, in my opinion, a classic. When I rolled out of town On the unpaved road I was $57 From being broke Kissed my mama and my sister. I said goodbye And with my suitcase packed I wiped the tears From my eyes Times they were tough Growing up at home My daddy lost the farm When I was two years old Took a job at the prison Working second shift And that's the last time I'll let them take What should be his Cause all I wanna do I put Margot up there with Courtney Barnett And Alabama Shakes as, as like the They're like that next generation They're the bench coming in to take over from the jacks of the world which 
We need we need a good bench. We don't have a super strong one right now, and I feel like Margo's one of those. This is a beautiful, beautiful album that I did not get right away because I was skeptical. Not, I don't like modern country music, you know? Yeah, what people call a bro country, which I know some people take offense to, but... The kind of, like, yeah, big and rich, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Save a cowboy, ride a tractor? No. Yeah, <laughs> one of those. Um, but Margo, I mean, that review from earlier about hurting on the bottle summed it up perfectly. There's poignance in these lyrics. They're not just about riding a tractor around. But if you dig deep with Margo, you find stuff under there. Mm. I love her so much. Now, we will do a Margo show. But just to give you a brief overview, she grew up in Illinois and relocated to Nashville with her husband with the hopes of immersing herself in the music scene. She did have a relative in country music i think it's like an uncle who used to write songs he wasn't really a front man but would write uncle some writes, songs though. <laughs> after about a decade of networking and some really hard times the effort paid off when jack white took notice of this album that she cut at sun studios and the, the story of this album is incredible she was so broke she pawned her wedding ring to book the Ooh. studio. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a story belonging in a behind-the-music. Yeah. Margot first met Jack White years earlier in 2007 by happenstance. This is a quote from Margot. He was walking down the sidewalk in Berry Hill, and he said hello, she recalls, and I sort of blurted out, I saw you at the Ryman last night with Bob Dylan. <laughs> I'm a singer-songwriter, and I've been covering one more cup of coffee for a long time. She says, I reached into my purse and handed him a CD of my music. And then she says, I wonder if he remembers that encounter. Because I guess wow. they I guess they didn't really talk for years after that until this thing happened. But, you know, what I was saying earlier about Jack really being a catalyst here, she lives in Nashville. She's trying to immerse herself in the Nashville scene. Third Man Records is a force in Nashville. Jack yeah. really, you know what I mean? It took an ear to do that from this country singer and we could have easily wound up with her going to some other country label and getting no exposure to the rock and roll crowd which would suck my only problem with it is she had all the songs already written so she really didn't give jack the chance to swing around in his seat and go you've just recorded your first number one (laughs) like uh, fred armisen in the portlandia episode he's like i always want to just turn around and go see this chair got it from electric ladyland in new york so when you talk to the man like how's it sound that's the one so this is via nashville scene again my favorite website in the universe not surprisingly price 32 often writes about life's cruel twists and unjust turns her matter of factness conveys an enduring humility she tempers her realism with an understated ease and loudly speaks to a time before music row relied on pavlovian formulas calculated by radio programmers and label executives uh that's it. Is Jack, I mean. is Jack writing for this newspaper? <laughs> 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 
goes on to say uh, that uh, her voice pierces through the thickest pedal steel teardrop and effortlessly slips through a chameleon repertoire of catchy rockabilly stompers and soulful country ballads that deftly modernizes. She laughs easily, but in no way is she foolhardy. Like Jeremy, she carries... I don't know who Jeremy refers to. She carries with her the loss of her son's twin brother who died two weeks after his birth, which she references in the album uh, pretty explicitly. But my firstborn died And I cried out to God Is there anybody out there Looking down on me At all She carries with her an unthinkable lesson learned in 2005 when a person of influence within the music business invited her to his house under the guise of business meeting and, she says, slipped something into her drink and tried to prevent her from leaving. She escaped unharmed and references the encounter in the song This Town Gets Around. So she's been through some stuff. Yeah, intense. That's just a sampling of this kind of thing. But the really cool thing I found here, too, is that when she performed at South by Southwest, associated with NPR Music South by Southwest Showcase, she was billed next to Vince Staples and Anderson Pock. And Vince Staples and Anderson Pock are two awesome hip-hop slash sort of R&B recording artists, which I just so happen to be ripping albums of in my room when I found out about that connection to Margaret. I've got them right here, James. I just so happen to have both of those right here. And by uh, ripping, Paul means moving the physical album that he purchased onto a digital medium for his own pleasure and not for disseminating. Please don't sue him. He just showed <laughs> me the actual physical copies. He owns yes. them. So anyway, look, this thing received a ton of praise. We'll talk about this a little bit more. But from here, Margot kicked off a summer tour of the South, which ballooned out into a nationwide tour for the remainder of the year. She just actually today announced tour dates for Nowhere Near Me, which I'm very disappointed by, which Callie Durga gave us a heads up in the Thinking Persons Jack White group. Thank you, Callie. Apparently she's in the studio recording another album, which I'm super stoked about. That's great. That's great news. I had no idea about that. Yes, uh, I just found out. 2017's looking up. Everything's I, coming up Millhouse. Everything's coming up Margot. <laughs> Again, in March, we have some more performances and recordings. Golden Pelicans, they're a Florida hard punk group. Auto Lux plays third man. They're a techno rock group fronted by Carla Azar, promoting their upcoming release, Pussy's Dead. They appear courtesy of Danger Mouse's 30th Century Records, so that relationship's still a thing. Nice. And then a group called Squirrel plays Third Man. They just performed there, right? Yeah, they did a live at Third Man record. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a grungy indie group. Brings us to April. We get a couple more performances here. We get Father and Awful Records artists perform at Third Man. Okay, so this guy had a, a viral hit on like a YouTube or something called Look at Wrist, which I watched and it's actually really good. Um, Just check, check that out. We get a new vault package announced. Hooray! The second of the year. This is the Acoustic Tour vault package, and that is an really awesome package that includes the Acoustic in Idaho 2LP set from Jack and his band's performance at the Egyptian Theater there. 
We get Acoustic in Alaska DVD filmed by Brad Holland, who, by the way, also shot the music video for Kate Pearson's Venus single oh. released on Turfman. Wow. Which, again, I didn't know was a thing either. And that features the full Anchorage performance plus behind-the-scenes stuff. You got two Risograph prints and a third-man book's Pictures from Unknown States book chronicling the tour. It's one of my favorite vault packages that I've received. It's real good. The cover's cool. It's got like the, what is that, like a silhouette thing? and Yeah, it's one of the photographs, I think, of just as they had gotten onto stage. It's a really well-made set, and it's in one of those boxes, uh, those telescoping boxes that they put out, which they don't do it for every vault, so it's always fun to get them. And the DVDs are also not every vault, so it's always fun to get a new DVD to pop in there and watch. Yeah. So anyway, this this highlights the acoustic tour that Jack went on in 2015 with select members of his Lazaretto touring band. And it makes perfect sense he would put this out here because this is, as we would find out later, the year of the acoustic Jack White. Then we get on April 11th, Margot Price plays SNL, hosted by Russell Crowe. Oh, Tugger. Make a movies, make us all so forty around the world. Oi, crikey, you done it now! Making movies, making songs, and fighting around the world. She plays Hurtin' on the Bottle, and since he put me down, we talked about that a little bit on our television episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, April 16th, we get Record Store Day, or the first one of the year. There's two now. And for this one, there was a couple of cool Jack exclusives. The White Stripes Peel Sessions Double LP. This is via the Third Man website. The first ever official release of the White Stripes Peel Sessions on two Stuff to the Brim discs. One red, one white, capturing Jack and Meg at the precipice of international renown in the hubbub of white blood cells. There are two live sessions with famed BBC DJ John Peel are arguably the best document of the White Stripes at that time. Yeah, it was previously released as a bootleg, which is widely available, but this set, better recording, more songs, more background talking. It's good. I like it. Yeah, I waited in line for three hours at Amoeba to get that, and it wasn't even there when I got to the front, and I was very disappointed until I found a website that was was selling them, so. Yeah, soundstage direct, everybody. They're a really good site. Yeah, they carry a lot of that stuff. It's great. Also here, the green, it's not easy being green vinyl version of Jack White's You Are the Sunshine of My Life single, seven-incher. Which we had already talked about, but very good. And then Kate Pearson's Venus single, which we just mentioned. Kate Pearson of the B-52s, if you didn't know. Brad Holland directed this video. It's surreal. Um, (laughs) I can't describe it any more than that, but you should do yourself a favor and stop what you're doing right now and watch this thing. As a B-52 fan, yes. that one up actually at um, at a local record store called freak beat it's really awesome shop if you live here in la you should check out freak beat and then a slew of apparel equipment etc books came out too uh, nashville and cast corridor locations third man hosted a bunch of live performances too nashville had a head group's date night cat flaps faux ferocious man or astro man played there and then which cast one Cor- is it <laughs> i don't know and then cast corridor had jenny jr and jackie rainsticks Casual, <laughs> casual sweetheart, 
bird cloud. You buy some rain sticks. <laughs> you do not want to sell me rain sticks. I do not want to sell you rain sticks. You want to go home and rewatch the prequels of Star Wars in advance of <laughs> Rogue One. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> April 24th, big day this year. Big day. Big day, James. I mean... It's a real big day. It's the the day after the 23rd, so it's a little... Do you want to guess why? Was it like the longest day of the year? Were those your guesses? James, I'll give you a hint. Okay. All right, now, what do you you think? Was it the Jack White acoustic album? (laughs) The day Ghostbusters opened? it It is a new Jack White song release, though. It is... Seven Nation Army. I mean, in all fairness, that song was probably re-released somewhere on that day. <laughs> uh, no, that is Jack White and Beyonce's Don't Hurt Yourself is released on Beyonce's Lemonade album, and that premiered on HBO the, a day prior to its release on Tidal and iTunes. Jack co-wrote and co-produced this song with Beyonce for the album Lemonade. It's I love this song. I know it gets mixed reaction from the fan base. Uh, you can mix all you want. You can mix that lemonade powder all you want, but I love it. I can't get enough. I listen to this thing on blast as many times as I can. I love it. Yeah, I like the song too. Hold on, let me just put on my <clears throat> let me just put on my dad pants real quick. And- <laughs> glasses you know jack really should have included sugar never tasted so good because without the sugar the lemon aid wouldn't be much more than a sour drink that bit went the complete opposite direction i thought it was going (laughs) I thought you were going to rail on him working with Beyonce because a dad might do that. And then you went the dad joke route and really just shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> See, this dad is hip enough to know Lemonade. I did find some stuff that talked about Jack and how this thing came about. So this is via the an NPR interview Jack did later on in the year on the acoustic tour, but he said, I have to be able to feel like I can bring something to the table. There's been some incredible offers at times to produce an album, and you know it would be a number one record, but at the same time I feel like, well, I just don't think I can bring anything to the table for that reason. I have to be able to feel like I can help bring the best out of them. That's your job as a producer. I just talked to her, referring to Beyonce, and she said, I want to be in a band with you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I said, really? (laughs) That is exactly how... Really? Hey, Swag! Swag, Beyonce wants to be in a band with me. Yeah, the one... Yeah, the jelly one. The guy... No, 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 not that. That's... No, no, no. No, no scrubs. Not not the... No, no, no. The the jelly. Scrubs? The jelly one. Swag... Swank, for God's sake, how unplugged are you? The jet... Scrubs? Don't... <laughs> so I said, really? Well, I would love to do something. I've always loved her voice. I mean, I think she has the kind of soul-singing voice of the days of Betty Davis or Aretha Franklin. So I was really happy to work with her. She took just sort of a sketch of a lyrical outline and turned it into the most bodacious, vivacious, incredible song. I don't even know what you'd classify it as, which is a good point, because I don't either. Soul, yeah. rock and roll, whatever it is. Don't Hurt Yourself is incredibly intense. I'm so amazed at what she did with it, and frankly, I am too. I think it's a really, really cool release that crosses genres in all the right ways you want to do that stuff. 
Yeah. So this is another interesting thing. I, I learned two super interesting things about this song, which I did not know. The first, this contains samples from When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin. I had no idea. Yeah. Right. That's on Wikipedia, but I also backed that up. I found a couple other sources that talked about that. So, okay. The most interesting thing, James is a guest Jack brought in for this session. And the idea of this person working with Beyonce makes me very, very happy. Do you have a guess as to who that is? Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) Um, Poker King with the Queen Bee. Yeah, uh, that would be amazing. Ruby Amanfu. Oh, hey! Is on vocals here. Nice. Uh, She deserves it. She deserves to be on a Beyonce album. She totally does. She's an amazing singer. If you don't know Ruby Amanfu, all over Blunderbuss and parts of Lazaretto, she, uh, she's the one that famously sings the duet with Jack on Love Interruption. We love you, Ruby. Lemonade itself hit number one on the Billboard Top 200. And then Don't Hurt Yourself debuted on Billboard's Hot 100 chart at number 28. And the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart at number 16. This is his first solo Top 40 hit. Really? And I was going to say, this is probably the first time in maybe 15 years or 10 years, I should say, a song that he has collaborated on has been in the mainstream, like, number ones. Right. His lone prior appearance as a solo artist was at number 81 on 2008's duet with Alicia Keys' Another Way to Die. Ah, yeah. Jack teaming with modern pop artists or r&b artists seems to be a recipe for success for jack white he's been pulling a lot of folks like that into his blue room probably for that reason just to get a feel for how music's changing and to get used to working with people like beyonce and alicia keys so then uh in may here we have woods and sunseeker play at third man nashville they're a folk psych soul and funk grouping i guess Jack releases another song on May 31st. This is one I always forget happened, but I really like. It's an instrumental for the Maya and Marty show. Yeah. Yeah, and it's called the Maya and Marty theme song. Jack, just can you release this as a single uh, on like a vault or something? I would love to have this song. I have no idea what the show is like, and I think it's is it canceled yet? Or is, I, I haven't heard anything about it. Me neither. It premiered on May thirty first on NBC. So Jack uh, wrote and produced the theme song. It's an instrumental for the variety show My and Marty, starring comedy legends Martin Short and Maya Rudolph. Jack White's first music written for a television program. The song features Jack on drums, Dean Fertitta on organ, Dominic Davis on bass, Wawa guitar by Lily Mae Rishi, and pedal steel guitar by Fats Kaplan. Nice. Can't go wrong with that group. Yeah, that's just a solo song. We have in June here, Dwight Yoakam's Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day, Blue Room Singles released. It's a Boyce and Bennett song that the Monkees made famous on their debut album, The Monkees. I'm gonna pack up all the pain I'm gonna catch me the fastest train I'm gonna make me a brand new start But that's okay hey, hey, hey. I don't really 
really know Dwight Yoakam all that much, but, you know, he seems to be a legit country guy. And on this single are third man people we really like, like Lily Marishi and Daru Jones and Dominic Davis and Fats Kaplan. So it's cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd previously only heard his name before. So hearing some music, whether it be covers or not, was nice. Indeedy. June 17th, third man hosted an Invite the Light Pride Week dance party, which is awesome. A portion of the proceeds went to benefit the survivors and victims' families of the Orlando Pulse shooting. So a lot of charity this year. Another vault package announced the third of the year on June 30th. This is the Pearl Jam live at third man record set. A controversial release, one, James, I know you uh, bowed out of. I just want to lay some facts out there. (laughs) I like Pearl Jam. I really do. I really love the vault packages. I love Third Man Records. I love Eddie Vedder and his whole thing. That's great. I had a big Pearl Jam part of my life. $60 was a lot to spend on a Pearl Jam live album for me, personally, and I did not have the funds at the time. I didn't give it any hate, mind you. I apologize. I'm still a vault member. I know nothing about Pearl Jam, but I found the release pretty cool. Black and gold vinyl in a soft touch finish and metallic ink jacket. It was gorgeous. And the thing I found actually most cool about it was the Eddie Vedder record booth single reproduction on clear vinyl, which simulates how one of those recording booth records looks. And I've always wanted to get one of those done. So it was cool to have one. We'll get one done eventually. It came with a patch, Pearl Jam patch, and a third man book of the show and a pin. So that was neat. And Jack joined Pearl Jam on a couple tracks on the end there called Of the Earth. It's a really tight sounding song. So it's a little, let's play a little bit of that here. Sure. Then we get a couple more Blue Room Session things released. William Tyler is a part of this. William Tyler, you'll see, is a name that pops up once or twice more this year and will actually be popping up a little bit more next year, which I'll get to in a little bit. July 30th, a crazy, crazy thing happened. James, we went to the stars. Space, a final frontier. The Icarus Project was really cool. Jack's always had an obsession with space, not an obsession, but a passion for space. What was releasing the Carl Sagan 45, re-releasing it, and re-releasing the the album, the full album, and also uh, releasing the album that the Voyager Probe had put out. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. V-O-I-A-G-E-R. Voyager. Voyager 6. It was a limited release, I believe, but... That is really sweet. I would love to own that, actually. Basically, this is Jack attempting to be the first ever to play a phonographic record in space as a celebration of Third Man Records' seventh anniversary and the mark of their three millionth record pressed. Nice. That's a Uh, lot of records. Yes, it is. The record was a uh, gold-plated cut, like like you said, James, of Carl Sagan's A Glorious Dawn, which was originally released by Third Man in 2009. That release is really cool because I got to know a little bit about the guy who did it. It's this thing called Symphony of Science. Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking had this cosmos kind of thing, and then this guy remixed it, this guy named John Boswell, a.k.a. Melody Sheep, released it to sound like this pop record or dance record or something. So like, really in- like a mecco. Yeah, yeah, let's play a little bit of it here. of the world. Galaxy rooms, a morning filled with 400 billion suns. A 
And it almost sounds like an internet video a little bit, because it sort of is, but the fact that it was released on 45 and then played in friggin' space is awesome. So the Icarus craft itself was launched out of Marsing, Ohio, via a weather balloon by the Third Men crew. There were launch parties at the Nashville and Cascordo locations held to uh, commemorate the thing, and actually the Soledad brothers came out to play at that, at the Nashville location. Nice. Some cool Detroit rockers. Yeah, the Contemporaries of Jack, which we talked about a little bit on our very first episode, which, you know, we'll get to a a show about them and some of these others. But anyway, it landed with the record still spinning, is their claim to fame there. And you can, yeah, you can watch a cool video compilation of that on Third Man website. Via Third Man, the Icarus Craft is a custom-built, space-proof turntable attached to a high-altitude balloon designed by Kevin Carrico, who has NASA in his blood and is responsible for assisting in the restoration of many of Third Man's machines, including the Third Man recording booth. And then Jack White said of the Icarus launch, Our main goal from inception to completion of this project was to inject imagination and inspiration into the daily discourse of music and vinyl lovers. Combining our creative impulses with those of discovery and science is our passion. And even on the scale that we know we are working with here, it was exhilarating to decide to do something that hasn't been done before and work towards its completion. It's a very aggressive Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Very passionate Jackson. Good for them. They went to space. Hooray! August 10th, new Jack White album is announced, James. Sort of. Jack White, Acoustic Recordings, 1998 to 2016, slated for release the following month, and the announcement came paired with the debut of the now Grammy-nominated City Lights. Yes, we are very, very happy. On August 26th, the Detroit Cobras also had albums reissued by Third Man, which is cool. That goes back to Soul Dad Brothers. That's another group of contemporaries from Jack's heyday in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, those albums are really good, too. I like them. Yeah, I haven't listened to them, actually. i got to pick them up. September 1st, the hype train for acoustic recordings continues. A Carolina Drama acoustic version was released, which is a never-heard-before acoustic mix of that track. And then uh, on September 7th, the Jack White timeline was launched on Jack White the third. I guess you'd pronounce it like that, dot com. com is how you should type it. Featured tons of rare video clips in conjunction with the acoustic recording things to kind of walk you through in a visual sense Jack's songwriting career. So, uh, like the album itself, it starts with Sugar Never Tasted So Good in October of 98 and ends on Want and Able. From that Lemonade album, huh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Dad James coming back at you with them hip songs from the Jack White. Now... <laughs> Now let me get this straight. You have yourself a website, the Internet Superhighway, and you you surf on down, and you find www.iii.com. But Dad James, HTTP colon slash slash. Dad James, Dad James, Dad yeah. James. Um, yeah. How many free hours of AOL do you currently have right now? Well, all the discs that I've taken from Blockbuster that have been given to me for free, they, yeah. they, they never said there's a limit to how many you can take. Welcome. So when they started yelling, I said, look here. Look here. Yeah. I need this interweb. Dad James, can you talk to me for 27 minutes about rain gutters? Well, you know there's different kinds of rain gutters, so it really depends on... What varietal you're trying to access. Did you just say varietal? (laughs) 
Moving on. <laughs> on September 9th, a new Jack White album, sort of, is released. Jack White Acoustic Recordings, 1998 to 2016. It released in conjunction with uh, release day parties in Nashville and Detroit, which had food trucks and beer and a party in Nashville. They had this thing called an old time picking party where you can bring your instrument and join some of Nashville's best players on the back patio, I guess. Now, I had old time picking parties when I was your age. Dad, James. And me, me and my summer gal would go down to the farm and pick us some fresh strawberries. Now, I've. In Detroit, they had also live bands. They had something called the Behind the Times Bluegrass Band, which was kind of neat. And then they also had pumpkin serving of snacks and, and all kinds of stuff. So this album, we talked about this. We had a show on this album. I think, James, you and I were both happy with City Lights and Love is the Truth. So We readily accepted it into our hearts. Yes, I was super excited when I got it. There's a photo of me on our website just looking freaking stoked when this arrived. So not to disparage this album or anything, it was really cool that we got it. And I think it'll be one of the things 2016 is sort of remembered for in the Jack White lore. But At anyway... parties, you could also get limited edition blue vinyl of those, which are hard to come by now. So Oh, cool. Yeah, so it charted at number one for vinyl albums with Billboard, which Lazaretto also did. You know, not a hugely competitive situation there but still cool that vinyl charts exist right now and they and they're partly still relevant because of jack white so i feel like that that's his home you know i was gonna say like they only exist right now because of jack white so the fact that he's on there is kind of fitting yes maybe that's the home he was trying to look for all these years it was a vinyl chart so in the billboard top 200 it it, it charted at number eight a nice, respectable debut there. U.S. Top Album Sales, number five. Physical Album Sales, number three. Digital Albums, number ten. Alternative Albums, number three. It charted the highest, aside from the vinyl thing, with Americana Folk Albums at number two. I wonder what beat it out. I need to know you're thinking of me. of hype because of the new white stripes song so a lot of people who only remember the white stripes from elephant days you know your seven nation army fans were like oh wow a new white stripes song to harken back to a point you made on episode three this release doesn't really know what it wants to be and i think you kind of see that reflective in these numbers because even though i would qualify this as a success i think if this was a straight jack white best of greatest hits single collection this would have been number one. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people would have understood what the release was a little bit more and bought into it a little bit more. But this release tried to be a couple of different things at once. Yeah. So, not I mean, a success, but definitely not a failure. We're proud. We love it. We, I mean, I think it's great. And our dad loved it. So Jack did a big press tour with this thing. I, I won't get into everything here, but on the day of its release, he appeared on Jimmy Fallon to play Love is the Truth. And you've got her in your pocket and famously roasted Jimmy's guitar in the interview portion of the show. He also did Jules Holland and a, f- and a few other things. 
The next day, the day after the race, he appeared on NPR, All Things Considered, which we referenced earlier in the show with the Beyonce thing. But a uh, cool a couple segments from this interview with Jack. Well, I wanted a record that would showcase song writing throughout the years. And the acoustic angle was the best way to go about that. And to get away from that, Jack White is an electric guitar player thing. Initially, I thought this could just be all the studio recordings over the years. But then I started finding certain things, say, a raconteur song that I wrote called Carolina Drama, which started on acoustic guitar and turned into a full band thing. I thought, well, why don't we strip that back and take those elements out and let other people hear it the way it started off? It was a junk house in South Carolina Held a boy the age of ten Along with his older brother Billy And their mother and her boyfriend Who was a triple loser with some blue tattoos That were given to him when he was young it's not a vibe of I'm going to re-record all these songs unplugged or on a stage in front of people. It's just I've never done a compilation before. It was an experiment for me. And experiment's a good word for it. To see if I like the idea. It did start to sound like its own album to me. He's trying to sell himself on it, I think. <laughs> yes! Jack White astounds himself from time to time. It's fine. He, did a, um, he released something. I'm happy. We're happy we got it, yes. September 11th, this was a sort of a bummer little tidbit here, but there's a guy named Art Tidwell who did all of the painting and design for the color schemes on both the Nashville and Cass Corridor Third Man Records locations, and he died in September. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, yeah, that stinks. Yeah. September 12th, we get the City Lights music video premiere. Sur- which, surprise to all. From? Mr. Michael Gondry. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's got the shower door, and it's a guy or a girl doing drawings that you can't really see who they are, but you can see the drawings. They're sort of fleeting, and it's just really beautiful video. This was Gondry's fifth collaboration with the White Stripes. He did the famous Fell in Love with a Girl music video. He did, he did Fell in Love with a Girl. He did Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, Your Denial Twist, Your Hardest Button to Button, one of his most famous videos to date oh yeah that button to button video is amazing and kind of the version of jack and meg that the simpsons wound up using if i'm recalling correctly if you are and paul i'm so glad that i remembered all of those <laughs> so yeah apparently the video was a surprise and michael gondry just sort of did it inspired by city lights i'm glad that he got a a chance got a shot yeah yeah, he's apparently, reportedly, from a coworker of mine, very expensive to work with. Oh, really? Yeah, a coworker of mine who was working at a firm in the Ukraine, uh, she said that they tried to hire him, but his price range was extremely high. But this is, like, in the height of his popularity. So. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. So here's a cool thing. On September 19th, and I didn't know this happened. Maybe you did, James. I didn't. From the 19th to the 24th, there was this thing called the Luck Mansion Sessions that was held in Nashville. So third man rented out a house in East Nashville and got together a whole mess of local artists to... A whole bunch of teens to stay the night <laughs> in this haunted mansion. <laughs> So yeah, they invited all these local artists to jam on a collection of 45s, which are going to be released one by one in 2017. I'm Margot Price. I'm Jeremy Ivey. My name is Lily Hyatt. My name is Aaron Lee Tastian. Carrie Ann Hurst. I'm Michael Trent. I'm Rodney Crowell. I'm John Paul White. (laughs) We are Crowell and White. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Lily May. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Langhorn Slim. I'm Raymond Baxter. 
Yeah, well, my name is Dylan LeBlanc. Nice to meet you, Rayland. Hey, I'm Parker Millsap. Hey, I'm Sarah Jerez. We're in Nashville, Tennessee, at this crazy cool house, making, making some music. There are two things that jumped right on out at me here. One of them was Margot Price. Margot not playing with her usual band, was playing with some other people. And then Ms. Lily Mae Rishi. Hey! Who was partnered with somebody named Langhorn Slim. But she'd be releasing a whole album with Third Man in 2017. So 2017 is shaping up to be pretty cool, by the way. We get on October 5th, the Vault Package 30 is announced. This is the final vault announced for the year. We don't have this one yet at the time of this recording. Yeah, we will at the time of the episode. This thing showcases special items from each of Jack White's projects, solo stripes, racks, and the dead weather. It includes a Rack and Tours Live at Irving Plaza, their first U.S. live show LP, on transparent vinyl with brown streaks. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, Parts Unknown Nashville. This is the thing that really got me. Parts Unknown Nashville. The Dead Weather, The Kills, and William Tyler. Remember I mentioned him uh, earlier. Live at Disgraceland LP. And this was recorded during the filming of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown in Nashville television thing, which was also put out this year. Another cool thing that happened in 2016. Love that it's called Disgraceland. Yes. Uh, and that's transparent vinyl with blue streaks. And then we got Jack White and the White Stripes double A-side single, Love is the Truth, acoustic mix backed with city lights on transparent vinyl with red and blue streaks. And then you get an awesome Nashville pennant, and it's a yellow silk serpent pennant. So that's another cool thing that happened this year also. we You know, I forgot to sort of include here, but that Anthony Bourdain special where it's just Jack and Allison and the dead weather and the kills chilling with Anthony Bourdain cooking in a house, playing songs. It's incredible. Really cool yeah. thing. We'll get into it on the Jack on TV, the next Jack on TV episode. On October 6th, the Nashville Scene's Best of Nashville 2016 Awards were announced. Third Man won Best Programming Expansion for their calendar of shows. They won Best Secret Show the Pearl, for the Pearl Jam thing. They won nice. Best Place to Spot Mick Jagger from Death from Above 1979 at Third Man. They won mm-hmm. Best Out of This World Experience from Third Man Fires a Record into Space. They won Best Lemonade Collaboration Yep, for I mean, Jack and Ruby. Yes. They, every song was a collaboration. So, yes. uh, yeah, sure. A Best TV appearance went to Margot Price on Saturday Night Live. Best New Poetry Book went to Kendra DeColo for My Dinner with Ron Jeremy, which is neat. Uh, I guess third man book. Yeah, it's one of the books, yeah. Best Single for Sunseekers' Georgia Dust and Best Country Album for Margot Price's Midwest Farmer Daughter. So really adorable there. Uh, on October 13th, the Lily Mae Rishi solo album debut was announced. This is via Third Man. I'll read just read you a selection here. Lily Mae has been performing on stage since she was three years old, said White. She's an incredible writer who can play an array of instruments and has paid her dues from the honky-tonks on Broadway to stages around the world. She's a beloved artist in Nashville, and I think it is safe to say that she is one in a billion. You won't find anyone else quite like this woman, no matter how long you live. I'm proud to have become a part of the Third Man family, where there is no shortage of hard work and dedication to creating and making available the music we love so. Rishi said, I'm forever thankful to Jack for believing in me and giving me a chance and all the freedom I've needed to make this album. So that's very sweet. 
Very nice. I cannot wait, but I have high hopes for this album. Yeah, me too. If only to hear more Lily Mae Rishi in the future. On October 15th, Jack and Margo performed on A Prairie Home Companion. Now, this was Chris Thiele's first show successor to longtime host Garrison Keillor. And then Margo was a guest of Jack's who came on and played a song with him at the end. So this is via Third Man. Last night, Jack took to the stage at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota for a special four-song acoustic performance on the season premiere of A Prairie Home Companion. Backed by Lily Mae Rishi, Dominic Davis, and Fats Kaplan, Jack performed City Lights, Carolina Drama, Margie's at the Lincoln Park Inn, and... Yes, and was joined by very special guest Margot Price for a rendition of The White Stripes' I'm Lonely, But I Ain't That Lonely Yet. I love this version. I love Margot. Let's play some of that. Yes, please. Much one. Sometimes I miss you so much. Wanna hop on the next trip, and I'm lonely, but I ain't that lonely yet. Very good. Love that cover, and really nice to hear Margot cover a Stripes tune in general. Yes, this is via Current.org. Jack White was clearly the musical draw from Prairie Home's sold-out audience. White's no monitor, no direct input setup, fit the show, and was not dissimilar from his acoustic tour in 2015. The closest stop being Fargo, North Dakota. Fargo Price. Via citypages.com, Jack White is an inspiration. He plays, sings, and writes with every fiber of his formidable being, said Thiele in a press release. A third man partnered with the YWCA for a denim drive on October 22nd. That was for that Good Neighbor Day thing we talked about. They also did a blood drive and some other things later in the year. On October 25th, Iggy Pop's Total Chaos, the story of the Stooges as told by Iggy Pop book, is plugged by Iggy in Detroit. This is a third man books release. I wasn't going to mention all the books, but this seemed like kind of a bigger one to talk about since Iggy was one of Jack's heroes, and uh, this this book seems to be a big deal for Third Man Records. They're plugging it on the front page of their website, so that's how you know they really mean business. I gotcha. Iggy Pop, you'll remember, as Nona's father from Pete and Pete. Yes, as his most famous role. October 31st, Margot put out an awesome video for Hands of Time. This is her sort of wandering around. It's most country-ish of all her things. You know, it's her at, like... Country settings and whatnot. <laughs> it's, far, it's, it's far-fetched to think that a country star would be in a country setting, but, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean. And, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, November 11th, Third Man did the turkey drive again. And you know what that means, James. It means all about a bottle is now, going uh, now. to win all of the fire. Uh, now call. Now call. We, you can't win every year. Every year... It's a Kalamato ball year for me. <laughs> now, I now, win, I assure you. Now, Carl, I, I, uh, I, I've been getting your mail recently. Have you, heard, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Uh, so I've, I've opened your mail, and I have uh, received uh, a, a letter from your doctor saying you have uh, 26 different kinds of hepatitis. <laughs> One for every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> Your hepatitis X is apparently very severe. 
That's right. They claim I have 24 hours to live. <laughs> they said that yesterday. <laughs> Carl Butterball has just left the building. I tricked you. I'm back. <laughs> Bring in the turkeys. It's Carl. It's Carl. Carl, you're looking very pale. So on November 11th, A Tribe Called Quest, we got it from here. Thank you for your service. Album is released. This album features three songs that Jack White contributed to. And it was A Tribe Called Quest's first album in nearly two decades. The last to feature the late, great Fife Dog. Who was uh, ill with diabetes and was struggling with health problems and complications thereof and actually died in the midst of recording the album. So that's really sad. But Q-Tip, MC Fife Dog, and Ali Shahid Muhammad are the guys who are in Tribe Called Quest. And anyway, they all contributed to this. I guess a guy named Jerobi White was in the group at one point, but not anymore. I'm not really up to snuff on all Tribe Called Quest stuff, but I love this whole album. And the Jack contributions are really good. Yeah, yeah. Very solid. Very good. Again, contributing to mainstream hip-hop, which is really cool to hear. Yes. Uh, speaking of solid, the first track is Solid Wall of Sound, which Jack co-wrote and uh, also plays guitar and sings on, which you can't really hear him sing too much on this record, but you can definitely... Okay. I'm not sure if this is every song on the album, so somebody please write in and tell me, but I think all of the songs, or most of them, take aspects of other songs and riff on those as the songs themselves. What I mean by that is Solid Wall of Sound is a play on Benny and the Jets when Elton John sings... They riff on that and sample it and write the song basically around that. They do that in a couple other places. I forget the song, but they do that with Pass the Dutchie, Punt the Left Hand Side, which I only know because I love that song. And at the beginning, the kid says, This generation rules the nation. And they just took that part of the song and built a song around it. That's that's a way to go, but it's cool, and I, I really liked it. The other song, he had another tremendous amount of impact on it. It's the only one he's actually called out for in it, is Ego. He co-wrote this one with Kamal Farid, and plays guitar, and gets a call out. At one point, Q-Tip goes, And Jack, it always it kind of verges on a solo, never quite gets to a solo. Sort of starts and then doesn't. And yeah, it's, it's got some of his. Uh, you could you could tell it's his guitar work on there. And then the last one is the Donald, uh, which I assume is a reference to our supreme leader. Jack only contributes guitar to this one, and this one has a segment at the end that kind of gets the closest this album gets to a guitar solo. So anyway, the whole thing is really awesome. Definitely check it out. 
Via Consequence of Sound, Q-Tip said that he and Jack first connected when White invited him on stage to perform excursions during a 2015 concert at Madison Square Garden. Which we saw. We were there for. I was delighted to find out that was the first contact with those two. We We saw some history. Once inside the studio, we recorded so many tracks and ideas, Q-Tip recounted. It's one of those scenarios where we're so excited to finally get to work together, and it was exploding in a whole different direction. We really didn't know what we were doing. It was just a hurry-up-and-press-record kind of moment. White came to the studio without his own gear, Q-Tip noted. He just took a guitar off the wall and plugged it in and just got his wizard on. (laughs) And recording took place in New Jersey. Yes. Um, My home state. Yeah, the group required everyone who was contributing on it, and there was quite a few people who guessed it on that album, Busta Rhymes, several others. He required them to all come into the studio and not just fly stuff in, which is kind of neat, actually. It gives you a different vibe, you know? Yeah, that was a really great recording and another awesome collaboration from this year. November 25th, we got another Record Store Day. Uh, That's that one I guess they just started either this year or last year. This is in connection to Black Friday. We got the uh, Yusuf Cat Stevens 45 single released by Third Man, I Love My Dog, backed with Matthew and Son, which I had ordered and have not received yet. And that was recorded live in front of, quote, no one in the Third Man Blue Room (laughs) back in September. (laughs) <laughs> you could also get a steady as she goes single on green vinyl and a get behind me satan on black vinyl and then really the last two things this year here uh third man continues its political stuff i mean they did two big things this year which is railing against donald trump with the icky trump sort of movement which uh, was kicked off by a youtube ad that was approved by donald trump but not created by him so they included Seven Nation Army and illegally used his music. And, yeah. yeah, Jack got super pissed and made the Icky Trump logo into bumper stickers and T-shirts. And they actually gave the bumper stickers away with every third man order leading up to the election. We'd never really seen him participate in something like this before. And let me clarify, I don't, th- I don't know if it was illegal, but it was definitely used without permission. So there's that. Yeah. And then also Jack White put Third Man Records' strength behind the people at Standing Rock, Dakota Access Pipeline protests going on there, did several charitable things to benefit that, which I won't really go into too much detail on here. But that that is two big major instances of politics this year. Uh, and then the, really the last thing is kind of this resurgence of Seven Nation Army, which popped up a couple different places and actually recharted this year. It popped up earlier in the fall after it was used in a commercial for a video game. And then it popped up again in the Beats by Dre ad for new headphones. The video, if you haven't seen the commercial, it's really cool. It's a bunch of like famous people and athletes and stuff pumping their chest to Seven Nation Army as Seven Nation Army plays behind them. Uh, Not only is Seven Nation Army a staple now of stadiums across the country and across the world, really, but also uh, has been, I think it's really entered its that's a classic rock song phase of its career, you know? Yeah, it's getting there, definitely. James, and that is the year that was 2016! At least we had some positives, am I right? All right, and that is going to do us for 2016, James. We have come a long way in these 13 episodes, and I couldn't be happier with the podcast. 
I couldn't be happier either, Paul. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who supported us this year. It has been tremendous. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you especially uh, to everyone who helped us this year, uh, Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti, for the recording and production of our theme song, We Are the Third Men. That was awesome. Sam and Tom, you are great. Thank you to all our guests throughout the whole year oh. uh, for everything you guys have done. Oh, yeah, we had... Uh, <clears throat> done. Uh, James is just... James's voice cracked this year. We had... Uh, <laughs> I just went through puberty this year, apparently. Yeah. So all our third men and women this year, Mike, who else? We got Sam Kubert. Uh, Tom Valenti, Tom Valenti had, uh, our dad Wayne Kaminsky, that was Vin lovely. Vintaturo was lovely. Clara we, from the Jack White Hub. Clara from the Jack White Hub. We had <laughs> we had our family, uh, our our mother Elizabeth, James's lovely wife Ariel. We had uh, their dog Kona in our third family segment uh, from Christmas. Susanna, thank you to Susanna uh, Roundtree for our intro and outro to the episode. You can find her artwork at susanimated.tumblr.com. Yeah, her intros and outros sound great. Make us seem, yeah, they make us seem pro. They make us seem like we're not just a couple of chuckleheads. Yeah, even though, well, we are. Please like us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash thirdmen. You can find us on Twitter and chat us up there at thirdmencast. Yeah, and uh, use the hashtag thirdmencast if you want to if you want to just spread the word a little bit. Yeah, tweet on at us. You can find us on Tumblr at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. We've met a lot of really awesome people on there. Thank you for everyone who's uh, re-tumbling and re-blogging and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can go right to our source and see where we post up all our show notes and our podcast on our WordPress site, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. Yeah, you can see all the pictures and everything we put up there. We also put those on the Facebook group. Send us an email, please. We are at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a correction for the show, something we got wrong, something you feel like we could have done better, or just want to talk to us, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, you can search for The Third Men on YouTube or Podomatic or Overcast or Google Play. We're on lots of things. Yeah, James does awesome YouTube visualizers. And for anyone who finds the special Easter eggs James places in there, I'm sorry. We're going to come up with a contest at some point. We swear. Yeah, we'll get one. If you like the show and you're on iTunes and you're downloading it that way, please rate, review, subscribe. We love to hear the feedback, but it also really helps to get the word out on the show and to uh, improve our rankings And uh, because we're, we're out here doing this to find other jack white fans like ourselves yeah we'd like to give a couple shout outs for this year especially to callie durga and adrian king this year you guys have been champions of us so we we really appreciate it uh, we can't thank you enough callie and adrian uh, you've been wonderful uh, also to jeremy riles thank you jeremy for all the support on uh, facebook and to lacy kroll we really appreciate it lacy yeah, thank you, Lacey. And, you know, uh, for our last show of the year, James and I uh, looked each other deep into the eye and we said we're just not going to do another song. Island. No, 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 we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Thank you to everybody. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to sing out with a little song we prepared for you. And by prepared, I mean hastily threw together. So, as always, I'll be looking for a home. I'll be looking for a home. See you next year. Bye. Should all the third men be forgot and ever brought to mind? Should all the third men be forgot and days of old Jack White? And days of old Jack White, my dear, and days of old Jack White. 
take a cup of kindness yet Our days of old Jack White We've had a really gear year, James It's been real fab, Paul It's been real fab We're gonna do it, uh, we'll do it one more time from the top And uh, I want you, everybody, if you're in the car If you're at home, if you're on a jog, as I am when I listen to the show We want you to take that uh, volume button and crank it all the way down to mute, please Yeah to mind should all the third men be forgot in days of old Jack White for days of old Jack White my dear for days of old Jack White we'll take a cup of kindness yet and days of old Jack White For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Uh, you know, until next year, <gasps> bird cloud and liquor store. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Without context, like after the rain sticks bit, it yeah. just sounded, <laughs> yeah. it sounded like you've just <laughs> had a stroke. Yeah. yeah. Paul's just connecting the wrong words to uh, different meanings. So yeah. Bird cloud. Liquor, liquor store. Li- liquor store. Shaggy? Listen to your Velma. Don't just succumb to the wishes of your Daphne. Take a step back. Take a look at Fred. You've a lot of difference between a Scooby snack and a sandwich because you appear to eat both. Oh, My- man, their hit album Scooby Thump. That was really good. <laughs> the Skype froze in the middle of your Carl Butterball face, and I can't deal with that right now. <laughs> WordPress, short for Dick Clark. <laughs> That's James. You're in the joke penalty box. <laughs> <laughs>